0: So, that Dune trailer.
1: (laughs) There was a worm at the end. Can you imagine if they hadn't included the worm? They included so
0: much. Just so much.
1: There was so much. And every time a guy popped up on screen and I knew who he was, I got really excited about it. And I haven't felt that way watching a trailer since... And this isn't like me trying to segue into what this show is. It's the most excited I've been watching a trailer since the trailer came out for this show.
0: Well, in a way, the Babysitter's Club Netflix edition was kind of the dune of, of this generation. In, that, <laughs> in, in a that way, yeah. had several adaptations that were unsatisfactory to like the major fans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you said in a way, and that is one precise way, so I'll take it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that opinion uh uh, uh.
0: (laughs) continuing universe uh written by other authors
1: oh that is a good point um lush illustrations in some editions
0: uh prequel that wasn't as well received as the uh as the main story
1: (laughs) i think we're really on to something here actually
0: giant worms
1: You'll have to you'll have to remind me when that happens. Yeah, but well. aside from that, I think we're pretty spot on here. Uh, hi, uh, welcome to Pizza Toast. This is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club Netflix series and maybe some other things as well. My name is Christy Admiral. I'm Phil Gonzalez. And we have nothing and, to spoil. No, absolutely nothing. Unless we decide, as part of this discussion, we're going to talk about additional books in the series.
0: <laughs> but we decided to uh, to go ahead and do a, a quote-unquote final question mark episode for now. That sort of summed up where we where we started, where we came from, and and where we went on this trip through through Stony <laughs> Stony Brook.
1: All the friends. Yes, <laughs> the friends we made along the way.
0: I was going to say the friends we made along the way, but it's more like the friends we met along the way and then never revisited. <laughs>
1: uh let's see how many of those were there you uh you mentioned bailey del vecchio the other <laughs> yep. day i had a very i haven't heard that name in in years reaction <laughs> yep. it was
0: uh it was i believe uh alana was re-listening to the episode and i overheard it and i was like who's bailey then i'm like oh right <laughs> and i think in that episode we speculated maybe bailey will show back up and become a major player in the season no
1: Yeah, so uh, this show, huh? This show?
0: (laughs) This show. We waited so
1: long. We did. And I had very measured expectations for this. Yeah. Because I knew no matter what, I was going to enjoy it, at the very least on a nostalgic level. Mm -hmm. I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did on a critical level.
0: Yes. Uh, I was... I went in not so hesitant i was like if it's not good then it's not good but i trusted i trusted what i had read and heard enough to be like i think they'll do a decent job at least Uh, at least on par with like the witcher like i just i was Mm -hmm. like it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch regardless and i was pleasantly surprised that they decided to 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 push against some of the limitations of the books and to change things in a in a constructive way, uh, but I also thought that it had its it had its flaws. I'm not gonna I'm not going to kid myself into thinking it was like the perfect television series.
1: I think one of the issues I remember, and this really was just a one and done thing, was because it's a Netflix series, they at least once felt the need to incorporate Netflix branding, and you had right. the whole queer eye thing, and it kind of reminded me. When other sh- Netflix shows have done that sort of thing, it can go one of two ways. It can either go like this, which was, I felt it fell pretty flat, or uh, Big Mouth is a show that I think consistently does a very good job of sending it up, but part of that show is winking at its audience. Yeah, And I think for better or worse, usually for better, this show doesn't wink at its audience.
0: And I feel like when it did wink at the audience, especially in that last two-parter, it felt a little off and from the wrong television universe.
1: Yes, very much so. I I said uh, on the last episode that I think I would have been more satisfied had we closed on Christy's big day. Yeah. And I do, uh, despite some really great moments in the last two episodes, like I loved Jesse and Mallory. I mm-hmm. loved Karen. I love. Uh, metatextual references to the kind of musical theater that uh, middle school students love. Uh I, I I still feel that way. I still think we could have ended stronger after 8.
0: Yeah. Like like if they had if they had put Welcome or Hello from Camp Moose whatever the title of the episode <laughs> Greetings is <from>. to Yes <laughs> Salutations. Uh, if they had put Camp Moose had two parter Maybe like before the final episode or before the final two episodes, like get a chunky special in there before we barreled home to the end. Maybe that would have made it feel a little bit a little less all over the place.
1: Yeah. Or done the Netflix thing that they do sometimes is uh, I mean, they haven't there haven't been enough episodes for them to have done this. Obviously, uh, I like when Netflix puts out a special between seasons. Yeah that doesn't necessarily fit with the rest of the narrative of the series. Like Bojack Horseman did a, uh, like a, Kind of like a meta episode that was a Christmas special of the TV show that Bojack had starred in. Yeah, uh, and it it might have been nice to have that like drop between two seasons, but as of this point, they have not announced a renewal, unless you have information I don't have. I don't. I check almost every day,
0: and and it's it just seems to be up in the air. Uh, nobody, not even any like none of the stars have said anything, and none of the writers like it. Just it almost seems like this show appeared and hit and created a minor stir and then they just they've moved like netflix and everyone else just seems to have moved on to the next thing and i'm not sure if that's true or if just next week they're gonna like announce the full season and then we'll just have some place to go from there
1: i will say because of the nature of television production right now any news that's happening is happening pretty slowly i'm yeah just now hearing about cbs getting pickups and that sort of thing they just started filming um on location new york productions again within the last two weeks or so right it's and everything's going to be slow but then you also just have netflix which is so excuse me carefully guarded about numbers and how well things are doing right so we can't and we don't know even when their shows are doing well sometimes they get canceled so we can't really know what's gonna happen
0: i know that i mean just from observation like just me as a human being observing the trends it seems of course that the netflix stuff that sticks around is the stuff that tends to sell merch uh that there's that there are t-shirts and and figurines and uh things that appear at target and <laughs> like you know well, yeah, like, you know what i mean like
1: there's no a, i there's... do because like stranger things uh the delray imprint of harper collins like are not harper collins sorry penguin random has an entire book series based oh, yeah. on it like there we are comics based on we it we listens
0: to the mad max book uh That they did the prequel book in our. If you ever want a book that is just let's take the episodes of of Stranger Things that deal with a character, cut out anything that's like too adult because this book is aimed at young young like preteens. Add a generic backstory to it, and then periodically pop into the episodes you've seen, but just now with like a first person narration. That's an awesome book. (laughs) It's it's really weird, but I listened to it and it, it and it, it's I was just okay, Well, I was like that's a, such a weird, but but it's that stranger thing like Stranger Things will be renewed because people buy the merch. Like it it it, yeah. it has it has a a revenue stream beyond whatever Netflix's revenue stream is. I
1: know. And I'm a person who would argue that Stranger Things is not quite as good as its cultural Cachet. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's as good of a, a television show. Like, when I got around to watching it, because I was not, like, one of the early adopters, I remember thinking, like, yeah, this is fun, but this is also, like, a, a bit of a trifle. This isn't, like, heavy narrative television or anything. It's, just... it's
0: fu- it was funny about Stranger Things, because, like, it hit at such a moment when really nothing like that was out
1: there. That is true. Like, yeah. it was
0: like, it, I, just a few years ago. Like, there wasn't now everything is like group of young teens or like mm-hmm. preteens off on an amazing slightly adult adventure like even netflix's like animated series are all that they are Ew. they are there are so many young like children's and young teen shows that are we are tackling adult concerns in a magical world and <laughs> like stranger things gave us like sabrina it gave us uh like all the uh, like every single uh like Let's appeal to a, let's appeal to a demographic that's not being catered to on network television. Mm-hmm. Now it seems old hat because it's literally become an old hat. Like it's literally become <laughs> a baseball cap. You can buy it. You can buy a target.
1: <laughs> this and like this show in a way feels this show's not like there was never an aim for this to be trendy. Like it feels pretty timeless in its production in the same way that the books do. And also, like I think the lack of, like there is certainly a lack of merch because all this would do would just drive up the sales of the original, oh, the original books, right? Which I'm assume it ha- ha- has. It I don't has know. to have. It has to have. And I guess like I do like like I like the idea that maybe they could do an adaptation of the series as it exists, the the television <laughs> series, and it's just very slightly different from Re-written. the original <laughs> yeah. book. Yeah, and it has like the, like an ins like an insert of like eight pages of glossy photos, the photos. of the series. <laughs> I was going to say,
0: this show almost feels like the culmination of the Babysitter's Club revival that started with the graphic novels like 10 years ago.
1: I think it does. I I think that's a good point. And when I thought of the Babysitter's Club within the last few years, aside from my own like recollection of this is a series I love. And your entire podcast. Yeah. Oh, I literally forgot about that. That's a... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's a, this is a plug for the California Diarist, which you can find uh, wherever podcasts are sold. It's a it's a fifteen episode series of me talking about the weirdest spin-off of the Babysitters <laughs> it's Club. It's so
2: fun. It's so I don't
1: fun. think I've ever actually talked about it at length on here, which is really funny. Uh, uh, one of our, one of. Phil's and my mutual friends gave me a mic for my birthday one year and then said, now you have to make a podcast. And that was what happened. That's what
2: happens. <laughs>
1: That's the origin story. <laughs> and also I got to rebuy some of the books and I was really excited about it because they have this extremely like 2001 cover design that is just <laughs> magnificent. But uh, my other connection to the Babysitter's Club over the last few years, aside from you and your daughter reading them together, which which I've always, I feel feel very privileged to get to read those particular Facebook updates, (laughs) always. uh, I got my niece... Who is uh, like uh, exactly the age that I was when I read the Babysitters Club? Uh, so like I think she was eight when I got her the very first graphic novel, mm,
2: yeah. and
1: she loved it. She devoured it, and I was so excited because it's uh, is it Reina Tugermeyer? Is that I don't know how you say yeah, Reina
0: Tugermeyer. She did the first yeah. like, four.
1: I I consistently get Lydia my niece her books for yeah. Christmas and her birthday. Uh because for one thing it gets it's a book for her to read that isn't like Dogman uh yes. <laughs> or Captain Underpants which have their appeal and I understand and she can share them with her brother but it's a, they're also just like such smart books. Mm-hmm. And the kind of thing I would have loved to read like a a graphic novel would have appealed to me really strongly at that point in my well, life. And those
0: graphic novels really they not only kicked off the the babysitters club revival like in public interest but they also kicked off they pretty much kicked off the semi-autobiographical graphic novel for young kids that is now like it's own thriving genre yeah
1: like, uh, yeah no that's true because it's within about um i'm trying to remember when her first books came out like i know it's within about the last decade mm-hmm. yes yeah, she She's did the of, babysitters
0: yeah. club books i believe first mm-hmm. and then she did smile and or she did like the first few babysitters club books and it was like those giving her the options the ability to get smile published mm-hmm. that started that whole trend i mean that was that was Everything like that, that, cha- that was the, that was almost a Harry Potter move. Like it changed children's publishing. Like Oh suddenly. no, it
1: was a sea change for sure. I was taking a children's literature class around the time uh, Gene Yang's American Born Chinese oh, yeah. came out. So we read that. That was one of the final books of the semester. And I remember that just being a huge deal that that book was getting so much good press that we were covering it. And then the author, Yang, came and spoke at oh, wow. our college Two like uh, elementary school students who were there for like the Young Authors Day. I don't know how common that tradition is throughout yeah. the states, but that's a thing. And I I really love that that is this entire would we call it a genre or graphic novels a genre? This is my question. Or, or graphic novels in
0: general? No, they're just a, no, they are a, a, a not. A so this is there like the
1: o- the semi autobiographical graphic novel is huge now. Like yeah. still. Yeah, yeah.
0: no, uh, whenever we're looking, Mitzi is not much of a, she's not much of a, like a book, like a, like a, just a prose reader, Mm -hmm. uh, which is weird because of like her genetics, but it's just, it's never been something (laughs) that that has clicked with her, but she loves a graphic novel. So every week we're like trying to find more graphic novels that she hasn't read. And the ones that are almost always available, there's always new semi-autobiographical graphic (laughs) novels and some great ones out there that cover some wonderful issues uh, with amazing, art that are like these indie artists who once upon a time would be doing like very offensive adult comics like back in the late 90s are now like have now found they like oh you can actually do these for kids like with depth and meaning and I, i like to think that the babysitters club graphic novels were a part of getting that getting that door open and then it seems like the Netflix series is almost the, like, almost instead of being like something that kicked off a new wave, it's sort of a culmination of that revival. Like, mm-hmm. the books got reissued. They got new covers. Uh, there was a sudden resurgence in, like, podcasting, obviously. Like, all these, po- there's like 100 Babysitter's Club podcasts. <laughs> and, and then it kind of built to, like, the Netflix series. And I'm I'm hoping that that's not where the momentum dies, <laughs>
1: I hope so too. I wonder I wonder if it is where it goes on temporary pause again for a while mm. at the very least just because I'm not hearing about the sho- like the show anymore. Um right. I'm not hearing about much of any show yeah. right now to be clear, but I was watching really carefully for news coverage about this particular one because I thought there was so much good uh features coverage right out of the gate about this show and that Obviously, that dies down in time. This show came out in July, yeah. but it's very quiet now.
0: Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. Well, it doesn't have the the all ages like grab of of a Stranger Things, mm-hmm. it, or or the like is going to be covered by Io Nine of a Witcher. It doesn't have. <laughs> it doesn't have like it, where are you going to be like? You have to search for for discussion of it. And uh, I'm surprised that Netflix. Didn't do a documentary just about the Babysitters Club, considering they produced the documentary about Claudia Kishi.
1: It's an odd choice. uh I also am. Int- I mean, like, I'm interested in the what the impetus was for the Claudia Kishi documentary, which I want to look further into. Obviously, the Claudia Kishi
0: documentary. In case people haven't seen it, there's a 15 minute doc on Netflix called the Claudia Kishi Club that's really good like it's a solid piece of like i don't even know what you want to call it it's it's clearly produced by netflix but it's also it is not intended for children because we watched it with mitzi and it has like a lot of swearing in it (laughs) and they don't edit anything out in the interview so
1: that's so interesting to me I never, i am never really compelled to curse when I'm talking about The Babysitter's Club, and I say that as somebody who curses a whole lot. Like...
0: <laughs> well, these are people who grew up with like systemic discrimination. Against that is them, true. I... That
1: is true. And so I am a white woman. <laughs> so, they,
0: and they, they, it gets a little real. But uh, oh, I like to see that. Yeah. But no, check it out. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's worth looking at. Uh, Alana really wanted us to talk about it because she was so taken by it. But I'm always, always, also just like, I don't know what I'd say about it. Like, I disagree with. <laughs> With the asian american experience like i don't know like, <laughs> like i'm just like right on i it works for me i guess i yeah
1: because i had initially wondered if we could do an episode on it but with the length of it and with the content of it which I, like from what i understand cause i had heard about it before you mentioned it too it doesn't seem to go like it's deep about one particular thing but it's not like there's not like a well of fiction to to right. dig into there well plus
0: uh What's interesting, though, is looking at this series is that Claudia Kishi, she gets a lot of attention up front and then she's kind of forgotten about in the back half of the season. Like she like we kept commenting on like Claudia would have like two or three lines per episode.
1: I do think that's something worth talking about because you had mentioned earlier, like we we had thought about like let's let's dig a little into like does this show do right by mm. by our girls like by our club members All and right. i would say a qualified yes to most of them right uh, i think this show is like i think christy is perfect right i think and i also like talking about myself in the third person in such a way it makes me feel (laughs) christy really good i do think she is no i think the casting was spot on the writing for her is so good uh the fact that she is not always like a great friend she is not always easy to be around Mm -hmm. and then she still comes off as Well, she could come off as authentic in that circumstance, but she's also so endearing. It's really impressive to
0: me. Yes. Uh, No, uh, Sophie Grace is, she's kind of one of the MVPs of the show. She has to carry a lot of, not just the narrative, but a lot of the emotional weight throughout it. Yes. Yes. She has to, she's she's the character who has to have like a heavy chip on her shoulder for a lot of the series that she's not really letting on about. And that has to sort of be an undercurrent of her character and i think that she was directed well and a lot like when they finally let her like just explode in the episode where she flips out uh, in front of dawn uh i felt like that was a super earned moment i thought that they did really well yeah. with christy so much so that there was really nothing left for her to do uh in the last two-parter
1: yeah it's true and uh I think, I mean, that also brings us to Dawn, who I think was the other character of the the main five that is most done right in this yes. show. And in a way, it is because she is so much more than Book Dawn.
0: Right. Uh... Like,
1: like Zoshi does an incredible job, mm-hmm. but even on the page, this is a better character than Dawn Schaefer of the books.
0: Yeah. Dawn Schaefer, I always forget uh, in the books, of course, so much of her story centers on her relationship with her brother and her (laughs) kind of fractured family. Like that's a really big part of, of her early narrative is this... This fracturing, this splintering of her family, and like, will her brother stay in the town with the mother, and uh, you know what's going to happen? Are they ever going? Are they going to have to go back to California? There's a lot of that in Dawn's character, and Mm -hmm. they erased all of that for the the series and gave us instead a different arc for her.
1: Yeah, and I would argue these are uh, this is all for the better. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of what makes Dawn unlikable. And I don't think she's always unlikable. I think she can be uh, she can be a good character. She can be a nice counterpoint to Marianne and certainly a nice counterpoint to Christy. Uh, she has a very contentious relationship with the woman who is eventually becomes her stepmother yeah. in the books. And particularly in the California Diaries, which is a, the spin-off series that is about Dawn and her group of friends in California. She's just a mean person. And there's not really that much a hint of that, I don't think, in the Babysitters Club uh, original series. And there's none of that with this Dawn.
0: Right. Yeah. Dawn in the series, but again, she's just a California girl. <SSSSSR> yep. With a, with a capital- <SSSR> her style
1: is described as California casual. Yep. <SSR> with she's some a... frequency.
0: <laughs> yep. She she's uh, a vegetarian. <SSSSSR> yep. And she's <laughs> <Like>, bi
1: coastal. <that's- Sr> yeah. This it's just not there's just not a lot going on there. And this is a Dawn who is, like, she's vibrant, she's funny, she has a great sense of style,
2: uh-huh. and she's
1: committed to social justice in a way that feels really authentic, mm-hmm. and, uh, like, her heart is always in the right place.
0: I do miss her. My favorite thing about Dawn from the books, though, is that she is incredibly afraid of ghosts and i do miss that aspect of her personality like just always thinking and, ha- and li- literally living in a haunted house is also. They've the almost thing.
1: inverted that too in this because like she's so accepting of like wicked and witchcraft in right. that culture
0: uh oh yeah a little sidebar we 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 finally had uh an on-screen representation of morbid of destiny who ended up actually being a witch just wanted to <laughs> So we did, we got I was that. gonna
1: say this. Uh, the series does a very good job with Morbid of Destiny, particularly in contrast with how she's portrayed on the covers of the uh, Babysitter's <laughs> Little Sister books, which is just like a really like a very very old woman. <laughs> yeah. So Stacy McGill, shay Rudolph, uh, consistently one of my favorite performers on the show. Yeah. Uh, uh, looks exact like looks like she stepped out of the books in a lot yeah. of ways. Uh, wardrobe on point really sincere performance Mm -hmm. and uh it's often marianne's thing to be the cringe character like the one that you're cringing along with her about how embarrassed she is this is that's something that shay rudolph pulls up off really well too yeah like every time she's even mildly humiliated you feel it and you feel for her (laughs)
0: And one of the most physical performances in the series. We got to see her have a diabetic seizure. She had to have a uh, uh, an insulin pump attached to her for part of the part of the series, and then she got horrifically disfigured in the last <laughs>
1: episode. So, uh, you know, yeah, just... she probably had to spend more time in the makeup chair than anyone else on this yeah. <laughs> show. And by probably, I mean certainly. <laughs>
0: yes, yes.
1: Well, she's um, good. Uh, yeah. and she, uh. She's never really this like she never really gets the spotlight aside from a little bit of the two-parter and her two episodes. She still gets more screen time than uh, Mona Tamada certainly, mm-hmm. uh, but she's not she's not so much the star as I would say like uh, as Christy and even Dawn and also Marianne. Like Marianne is vaulted high in this series yeah
0: yeah so speaking of marianne yeah marianne's interesting because i felt like her character was very inconsistently written
1: i was gonna use the word inconsistent It it, it isn't really to do with malia baker because she's just, no like she pulls off the performance no matter what version of marianne is on screen however there are multiple versions of marianne
0: i was gonna say malia baker is the best part about this version of marianne like yes she was dynamite yes. in the role and uh, i just i wish that her I, Christie's arc made total sense to me like mm-hmm. her development as a character dawn's made total sense to me marianne had so much screen time and it just felt like they they kept just changing her to fit what they needed marianne to do at that like in that episode
1: it's interesting because like there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff with her i don't think <laughs> I, i'm never disappointed when she is pushed to the forefront of an episode yeah. But one of my favorite Marianne episodes, if not my favorite, is Boy Crazy Stacy, because I think she feels the most like Marianne to me in that one more than mm. any other. She's a little timid, but uh willing to make new friends. She doesn't she's not very sure of herself, and like when she asserts herself, you're really rooting for her to do so. Yeah. And she's funny. She's always funny.
0: Right. She gets the most probably just she gets the most like wry comments of all the girls. Uh, yes, yeah. She she practically speaks to the audience at times. Like she's so yeah. She's such an. She's a little Greek character. chorusy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So so, and then we talked about Claudia just kind of getting short shrift. Like by the end of the.
1: Yeah, it's disappointing. Uh, she has a strong start. The pilot is what what really endeared me to that character. Yeah, she seems very adult in contrast <laughs> with uh with uh marianne and christy and she also like the look is right the the bedroom looks like what i imagined claudia's but would... oh yeah uh, credit to the set designers of like the production designers of this series just amazing looks oh, amazing yeah. the entire time
0: uh, and of course I don't want to ha- I don't I feel like we don't need to go like person by person through all of the supporting players. Definitely but, uh, not. There are too cor- many of, of them. Of course big big props to uh to Alicia Silverstone. Yes. And Mark Fierstein uh for just bringing those two characters to the uh to the forefront and really making them into real hum- And of course uh your best friend Mark Evan Jackson. My best
1: friend Mark Evan Jackson. Uh I think I would say like first Fearsteed, Feuerstein, I'm going to get it right eventually. <laughs> and Silverstone, I might like that was that's a difficult task because those characters are nothing in the books. Yeah. And they are just uh they're just fantastic. They they make them feel very real. You're actually rooting for their relationship by the end of the series. Uh shed a little tear when they got married. Mm-hmm. And then Mark Evan Jackson does a great job with a character that is uh his parenting strategies are like borderline harmful in the books <laughs> yeah but it, they were able both through writing and then through how he performed the role they're able to make him seem much more just like an overprotective father who means well
2: yeah
1: and he's i, I was listening to a podcast i love who weekly they were just dis- discussing whether mark evan jackson is a who or a them he's still a who but he might be on his way to them to and they d- referred to him as sweetie dad on the babysitters club <laughs> <laughs> and i really like that like i like that you can if you need to distill his performance down to one thing it is that he is sweet
0: <laughs> as opposed to in the books where he just kind of stops being a character after after that first major arc with him yep. he just no
1: after he's with sharon he's ceases to exist (laughs)
0: yep he's rarely mentioned they they will sometimes they will mention him only in that he used to make marianne wear pigtails that's his (laughs) that's his one defining personality trait oh yeah Uh, he used to make marianne wear pigtails
1: (laughs) i am gonna go ahead and spoil one of the books here uh in uh number 60 marianne's makeover one of my absolute favorite books he does bring marianne to the mall to get a makeover
0: well now i now i don't have to read that one i guess (laughs)
1: It's really good. I mean, it's really good if you like makeover stories, which I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the I rest do. of the club hates her. It's amazing. Anyway.
0: <laughs> makeover episodes are my favorite Oprah episodes. Um, <laughs> it's true. The, uh, the uh, like, when I was a kid and like, Oprah would be on, they'd be like, it's a makeover episode. I'd be like, I'm sitting and watching this. <laughs> uh. I
1: mean, that's, like. This is why the Queer Eye series did so well when it came back because every America was united in its love of makeover series. you're just watch you're
0: just watching Queer Eye for two like 30 seconds of the show what the guy looks like when he gets his haircut and what the house looks like after Bobby finishes rebuilding it in a few days That's <laughs> After the Bobby only...
1: single after Bobby carries the show on his back for yep. 40 minutes.
0: You, you want to see that guy's beard get trimmed you want to see the house with a bunch of ikea furniture in it like that's that's it
1: <laughs> this is true no you're not wrong this is uh, welcome to our anti-queer eye podcast where we talk about how we don't care entirely for queer eye <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: we watch it, it <laughs> exactly every, every few episodes we'll be like oh it's a good episode and then every yep. other episode i'm like that this was edited all the heck so that because they needed a story of some sort, or it's like they just built a new business for these people.
1: <laughs> That's not a makeover, they they rebuilt their business. Did they just make a firehouse in one episode?
0: Yes, okay. no, they, they they rebuilt like the, the, the dining room of a like fire the station center. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, is it, isn't this what our taxes
1: go towards? Not anymore. <laughs> Reading oh, those
0: fab five um <laughs> uh, in any case no uh... um
1: i was i am thinking, thinking now notes like talking about the adult cast members this is maybe one of the only times on a show for children that i've cared about the adults about as much as i've cared about the kids because yeah. it's never boring when the adults are on the screen i think at some point you mentioned like that's usually the part where you can zone out but that is not the case here Right. I'm thinking
0: back to... uh, I used to have a podcast about Beverly Cleary books with John McCoy, and we watched many... It's not the whole thing, but there was a Canadian TV series based on Ramona, (laughs) and... As janky and weird as that TV series was, it actually did a real, it had to have that thing where every time the adults had to be on screen alone, you had to find them interesting for a show aimed at children. And I think it did a pretty good job Uh, because that's a series with a lot of pathos, like the Babysitter's Club, like a lot Mm -hmm. of like, just like financial insecurity and like weird friendships and things like that. And so I I think that when a children's television show is at its strongest is when it treats all the characters characters with respect and as much attention as it does to like your main group otherwise you end up with uh, what's like i'm trying to think of like a nickelodeon show or like a so i jumped
1: back to like tgif and i know it wasn't strictly for children but like think about what dum dums the parents on step by step were (laughs) 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 I, i mean like i think about this sometimes because i think boy meets world is a show that holds up really well and mm-hmm. I do actually really like all the adult characters on that show. I think their teachers are all very interesting. I think the parents, like the uh, the Matthews parents are great. Uh, if I'm comparing something to Boy Meets World, then that is the highest possible compliment <laughs> I can give it, by the way. Again, a
0: show slightly after my time.
1: Yeah, I guess it would be a li- yeah, I can see that. I guess it's hard uh, to, to m- explain I why it's so it, good. I, I, it- no, go ahead. It reminds me a lot of The Wonder Years. So Mm-mm. does that like...
0: Well, isn't that because it has a savage in it?
1: That's one of the reasons, but it also <laughs> has a very like... they sh- Like in addition to sharing that DNA, they share a lot of the same DNA of what makes a good like kind of comedy drama show about a yeah. family.
0: Now I stopped watching The Wonder Years early on in its run because Fred Savage's character was such a punching bag that, mm-hmm. that I was just like, I can't... Like I was a kid and I, I was roughly that age and I was like, I can't... Watch this perennial sad sack like just get kicked around by life in the nineteen whatevers. <laughs> this much uh, 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 it gets better I,
1: when his voice fully changes. You what? It gets it gets better when his voice <laughs> finishes changing, but.
0: But uh, I'm also thinking to like DeGrassi, where as as, oh, yeah. but as as melodramatic as DeGrassi could get, it tried to make the parents characters. Like it tried to. It was like if we're gonna do a series about kids, we've got to focus on the adults as well because you know what? They've got just as many problems as the kids do.
1: No, that's true. And then when they made uh, DeGrassi: The Next Ch- Generation, which I watched, all of the people who had played the kids. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but most of them came back and were playing the parents or the teachers of the Which kids. Which was great. It was great, and they were still fantastic. Like yes. the, They were arguably better characters some of the time than the children. Oh, of course.
0: You wanted to know what happened to
1: Snake. Snake and Spike, so, yeah. certainly, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God, I was obsessed with Degrassi. I was obsessed with Degrassi when I was a kid. Cause it used used Because it used to show on PBS... And, uh, so we would watch Degrassi junior high. Then we watched Degrassi high, uh, Canadian melodramas, but, uh,
1: I will say that like watching, uh, Degrassi, the next generation when I was in high school was something we all pretended we were doing ironically, but we <laughs> loved it. We loved awesome. that show. It's ate it up. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah. So it was, uh, my, I guess one of my biggest complaints, if I had to have a biggest complaint was honestly, I didn't think there was enough babysitting.
1: That's something we t- we ended up talking like we would say this in passing a lot, but I don't think we ever really focused on it. And it was something that I wasn't crazy about either. Cuz I think it was Dawn in the Impossible 3, a lot of babysitting in that episode. Yeah. Uh the Bailey DelVecchio episode. A Lot no. of babysitting, more toward the front half of the show than the back half. Right. It's but it wasn't a seamless part of the show. I think, almost at any point.
0: No. Uh, and and I think part of that is just runtime. Part of that is logistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons that it stood out to me, though, is because the books are very much about always having parallel stories like you have your babysitter's club like the girls are going through their personal dramas and then there's always the story of what's going on with the kids and usually those stories like connect at the end like they use yeah the lesson learned from one thing will inform how to take care of the other thing and vice versa uh but they never like you needed at least one episode where for for no reason they decided to throw a mini olympics or have <laughs> all the kids start a band or, or a baby
1: parade or
0: a baby parade like anything <laughs> the babysitter's club one of their biggest flaws is they will get so overwhelmed they're practically in tears and then decide they need to get the kids involved in some kind of all-encompassing project that's going to take them a month and all of their spare time to put together
1: the thing is they usually pan out usually they're their successes oh yeah
0: of course
1: <laughs> they don't necessarily go off without a hitch but i think i like Talent shows and beauty pageants and just a lot of a lot of good things that they're able to produce. Especially considering it's like a bunch of thirteen and eleven year olds at the thirteen and eleven
0: year olds, about fifty individual children, some of whom are walking (laughs) disasters. And then they're like, "Hey, uh, you know what? Jackie radowski was talking about how he how much he liked rocket ships. Let's. What do you think about?" We get all the kids we take care of and build a working rocket ship, and then they will like by the end of the by the end of the book.
1: Have you read the book where one of the Arnold twins uh tries to build a time machine?
0: No, I have not gotten there yet. Okay,
1: <laughs> uh, you're gonna like going to. I'm going to assume he... it
0: does not work. I'm going to I'm going to assume it does not end like that. Uh, Aubrey Plaza movie. Um,
1: <laughs> safety not guaranteed. Safety
0: not guaranteed. Yeah.
1: No, it's not the rare piece of entertainment where uh, time travel works out in the end.
0: It would be awesome if it did, and suddenly that character ceased to exist.
1: <laughs> There's like photos of the twins in the house, and then one of them disappears. Right.
0: <laughs> and no one has any memory of them. It just, the last chapter is like, it was so much fun babysitting that one kid.
1: <laughs> they were never twins at all. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, I. I would say, like, some of the most fun hijinks in the books definitely come from the babysitting part of it, and there just really isn't a ton of that. I think you're correct that it's primarily runtime and them wanting to center the characters. And I guess, had they included more, it might have been at the expense of, like, how much we like the adults in the series. Uh Uh-huh. So you kind of just have to... (laughs) You you have to take what you're given, I guess.
0: I guess. Like, if, if, if the... If They could have flipped it and had the kids, yeah. the little kids be more present and the adults be more in the background. But I also think they had to like how we have a limited amount of time and we've got to like we can't have 25 year olds expecting them to pull the emotional. We saw how hard it was to get pikes who could memorize their lines correctly. <laughs>
1: I will say like they could give the they could give Karen Brewer her own spin-off and it would be better than the Babysitter's Little Sister series.
0: I've never read the
1: Babysitter's Little Sister series. Oh um, I have. <laughs> I bet you have. Mit-
0: Mitzi just read the first one, so that's Karen's all I know. Yeah.
1: Uh, Karen is Karen is an irritating character in the books. Mm-hmm. And in the show, they were able to take the part of her that is interesting, which is the melodrama and capitalize that or, and capitalize on it. And it ends up being one of my favorite performances in the show. Yes. They could have had a subplot with Karen in every episode and I would have been happy about it.
0: It would be interesting if they did a Babysitter's Little Sister spinoff, like just like two, one or two episodes just to just maybe one or two f- 10 minute shorts of just <laughs> Karen Brewer in her school class of uh, bothering her friends.
1: Yes, I'd be I'd be on board uh yeah. that seems like it'd be easier to film than some of the other things they did or you know
0: maybe a, uh, an, a flash animated series
1: <laughs> should contact netflix about that and see yeah. if that that's okay if that's am on board
0: these kids aren't getting younger um so <laughs> yeah uh anything else about the show
1: i mean my, like i don't like assigning grades to things i was about to do and no. i was like no i'm not doing that uh i i would i would give it a i would I would give it a solid thumbs up. I'm very happy that this show was something that eventually came to fruition because it feels yeah. like I waited years for this to happen. Like somebody yes. had the rights. Several people had the rights at different points in history as, uh-huh. as indicated by the Canadian show and the movie existing. Yeah. And then this being in development for however many years. I'm glad that this was the final product there. Obviously, there are some things that I didn't absolutely love, but I really enjoyed watching it. And of course, I have enjoyed talking about it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you know this was a this was a big thing by uh, by Rachel. Sh- is it Shukert? Shuckert?
1: I think it's Shukert. I'm gonna have to find an interview with her to make sure. But
0: uh, but you know she was the you know she was was well, she was the showrunner. Yeah, she was the showrunner of this. Uh, she's had quite a string of of successes under her belt, and uh, I mean you had Anne M. Martin uh, as exec- you know as a producer, and you had a great team behind it. Like this isn't something that. This isn't something that Netflix threw together on a lark. This is something they put a lot of a lot of their effort behind. And I think it shows. I think for any weaknesses it has, those weaknesses weren't there as a result of carelessness.
1: Mm -hmm. Like it was great.
0: Uh, if anything, like some of the weaknesses I think were a result of maybe being too focused maybe trying trying a little too hard in some directions.
1: Yeah, and I think there there might have been times when trying to stick too close to the source material may have hurt them. Yeah. I think some of the deviations from the source material were some of the stronger points of the show. right. Um, but it, it, to me it really does capture the spirit of the books in a way that I was not expecting. And it was was a really pleasant surprise.
0: What would be interesting is if there was a Babysitter's Club TV series that completely deviated from the plots of the books. That didn't do any of the stories from the books. And instead just sort of took the characters (laughs) and plunked them into some original adventures. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe about 13 or so (laughs) adventures.
1: Is there something
0: specifically
1: you're referring to here?
0: (laughs) So, uh... Should we announce some? Plans yeah, they as
1: for well. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I wonder, I wonder about this because, like, I feel like we're encouraging people to to give money to Amazon, and I'm a little uneasy about that. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that part of it, uh, we're gonna start talking about the uh, the Canadian adaptation of the Babysitters right. Club. So, 30 years ago, 30
0: <laughs> years ago, when I was. Fourteen years old. I was two. You were two. <laughs> I was two. <laughs> when I was fourteen years old, uh, HBO. We always call it the Canadian TV show, but uh, it was yeah. originally it originally aired on HBO in the states, and it, we call it the Canadian TV show. Um, uh,
1: was it made in Canada?
0: I think it was. It says was it? it says country of origin United States.
1: If it wasn't I've... made in Canada, then I. <laughs>
0: If it wasn't made in Canada, it's still the most Canadian show.
1: <laughs> it had to have been filmed at the very least in Canada.
0: I don't know. I'll have to look it up. I think because it aired on like Nickelodeon and stuff so much, maybe
2: people were just like, must be Canadian. <laughs> it's
1: like, a, this is a real, like, hey, dude situation. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, in 30
0: years ago, HBO produced... A TV series based on the Babysitter's Club series of books by Ann M. Martin. And Ann M. Martin was like a story consultant. Uh, it had a strong production team behind it. It had a very focused goal. It had a kick in theme song. I was, the theme song is an absolute beggar. And for, so, for some reason, it is considered the, I don't know how to put it, like, the unspeakable like monster in the closet for it's a lot the redheaded
1: stepchild it's yeah uh, and it's uh, not okay so it's I'm... the mallory pike of the series <laughs> 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 so i'm looking at the wikipedia page or i have recently glanced over the wikipedia page and i gotta say okay so this re-aired on the disney channel from like 94 to 97 for a while yeah that's the last time I watched it. So I was definitely a child last time I watched this show. And I'm really interested to see, like, I remember some of these plots of beat for beat, like Stacy being scouted to become a model, uh, Marion continually having Logan almost stolen away from her. Uh, uh, I have watched the first episode and that a
0: while back, like out of curiosity. I was like, I never watched it as a kid because I had no reason to. I was in high school when it started, um, and I went in expecting the worst, and I was actually pleasantly surprised by what I found. And I think that there's enough there. There's enough there there for us to discuss each of the thirteen episodes uh from a, from an adult perspective, like what what works what works about this show? Uh, was it really does it did it really earn all the scorn it has built up over the years?
1: I'm really excited about it uh, in part because there's nothing really to compare it against. Like yeah, you can use the the like the rough characterization of the girls but because they're original stories you can't really nitpick about book details they're new they're whole cloth new stories
0: and it drops you right into the series it there's this is not a show that has a first episode really it, there's no introduction to the christy
1: doesn't story. have a great idea
0: nope that all happened before <laughs> Uh, so, in, in fact, in the cast list on the Wikipedia, the first character listed is Mallory Pike. Oh, this is my kind of show. <laughs> it's all, who played Mallory? I mean, it's probably, it's in alphabetical order by actor. But,
1: <laughs> mm, but we're going to pretend it's because Mallory is the most important character on this show.
0: And, you know, like just to say, just to say, like, what kind of show we're looking at, of the cast, the main core cast of seven characters, only three of them have their own Wikipedia pages. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs>
1: And at least one of them, it's because she's, like, a, a fairly, not, uh, we won't say, like, super important, but she's, like, a highly regarded, like, folk musician now. <laughs> yes. And one, because
0: she's currently a lawyer, and I'm sure she did her own Wikipedia entry. Um, <laughs> hasn't acted in 20 years. So, uh... <laughs> But we, so, we will have time to discuss
1: all of that. We have so, uh, I already have so much to say, and we are only just getting started.
0: <laughs> yes, and we are going... Oh, but the other big announcement is that we are going to take a hiatus before we yes. start this. Uh, we're going to take about a month off to gather our bearings and get our lives back
1: in order. <laughs> Mine has completely fallen apart entirely because of this show, so I hope everyone's grateful. <laughs> But uh I know that we have listeners. I know that
0: there's people out there who've who've <laughs> who've enjoyed this show. Um so I mean if you if you like us, keep listening. Don't erase us from your from your podcatcher yet. Uh, please, if you go yeah, on please to- don't unsubscribe. <laughs> Yeah, go to go to Apple Podcasts and write a review. We've gotten a couple of reviews, so uh, people like the show.
1: That's it's always it's always such a, a pleasant surprise to me.
0: <laughs> and uh, I guess you can go to like Twitter. I'm at P Corey Gonzalez, P C O R Y G O N Z A L E S, and you're at Admiral Christie. Yeah, uh,
1: and Christie spelled correctly, C H R I S T Y. I have thought many times about making a Twitter for this show. It's kinda of strange that I haven't. So maybe that's what I'll be using the next month for.
0: Oh yeah. Maybe uh maybe that maybe we'll have a web presence.
1: I will do that. No, I'll I'll
0: actually do that. <laughs> that would be awesome. So keep keep your eye out for the Pizza Toast Twitter
1: feed. Uh, <laughs> and we are not changing the name, no sir. <laughs> full of all of your ho- hottest memes, I guess. I don't know what
0: we're gonna be posting in the <laughs> next month. Start
1: ma- I'll start making babysitters clubs and <laughs> memes in my space. I'll, I'll start I'll
0: start re editing uh <laughs> At, uh, book covers again like i used to do to for my facebook page
1: <laughs> i do miss that <laughs>
0: yes so uh so yeah so keep your eye on eye on the eye on the prize i guess we'll be back in a month with with uh with what's it what's marianne
1: it and the brunettes
0: mary <laughs> i don't none of the titles of this series are any weirder than any of the book
2: titles
0: <laughs> it's just they crack me up though because they almost seem like they were written by ai like we fed all the titles of the babysitters club books into an a a computer and they produced these titles
1: you're not wrong (laughs) so true i like Like, it
0: yeah look at them look at them oh my god yeah they all they almost seems like an alien (laughs) claudia and the mystery of the secret path there's so many mysteries too
1: so yeah, they leaned hard on that. I'm very excited about that part of it.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, and then the final episode, which I think is a clip show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll talk about that one the very longest. <laughs> if they're
0: smart, it'll be like the uh, it'll be like the Community clip shows where it was all stuff we hadn't seen
1: before. <laughs> oh, fun fact: one of my favorite—that is my favorite episode of Community. It is maybe one of my five favorite episodes of anything ever.
0: <laughs> they... The Clerks animated series also did it. <laughs> the second, Good to know. The second episode of the Clerks animated series was a flashback clip show.
1: <laughs> that's that's a flex and a power move, and I respect it. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> so uh, that's it. This is Pizza Toast. Everyone, thank you so yeah. much for listening.
1: Yeah, have a great month, guys. Yeah,
0: and we'll see you. What's our sign off? Keep uh, we, on.
1: We don't ha, uh, holla at moi. I don't know. Holla, what it is. holla at
2: moi. <laughs> Perfect.